0: Hello and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series in which we interview KPMG leadership and subject matter experts, as well as third-party and client executives and thought leaders on key global business, socioeconomic, and geopolitical market trends and topics. My name is Stan LaPique. I lead market research and thought leadership at for the KPMG Global Management Consulting Practice. I'm your host for this podcast series. And I'm pleased to have with us here today on Advice Worth Keeping, Mr. Thomas Mayer. Tom is part of the U.S. firm. He is a principal and part of the corporate strategy practice. So, Tom, thanks for taking time to join us here today on this Advice Worth Keeping podcast.
1: Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Tom is going to talk to us today about some of the goings-on in the global manufacturing industry. This is one of an ongoing series of podcasts we're doing on the state of global manufacturing. It's keying a little bit off of some annual research that KPMG conducts that was released over the summer looking at the state of global manufacturing. But what we're doing to add to that researchers get with our subject matter experts, such as Tom, to get a little bit more detail on some of the key goings on in global manufacturing and how organizations are addressing these opportunities and challenges. Today, we want to talk a bit about the need for speed. And the context is is that even though a large majority of manufacturing executives concede that it will take years to reap the benefits of digital transformation, and that's certainly the hot topic of the day. And by that, we mean things such as intelligent automation, artificial intelligence, process automation, the use of advanced data and analytics, a lot of different elements that go into digital transformation from the technology side, but also from the organizational and operational side. So obviously, with this great opportunity, there are challenges. Challenges, but also a lot of moving parts. So we find that CEOs readily accept that the key to being successful here is to have a good plan, but to move fast, but maybe with not too much haste. So maybe to key off those points, Tom, what does it mean for manufacturing organizations and their executives to act with agility? What does that mean to a modern manufacturer today? So obviously acting with agility is good, but what's the context for a manufacturing organization and their leadership?
1: That's a great question, and when I think about most of our manufacturing industries today, they're looking at fundamental technology choices and technology changes in their products and in their channels to market. In the auto industry, we've got a whole set of questions about how rapidly we're going to move from pure petroleum-based powertrains to hybrids to electric vehicles. Lots of questions about how quickly cars are going to get connected, how quickly they're going to be able to become autonomous. And a whole set of changes in the channel as people are hailing rides more and more, and at least in some urban areas, dropping the second or third car out of the garage because it's been replaced by a Lyft or an Uber. When I look at the communications industry, a whole set of similar questions when they start looking four and five years out about how much of our internet and broadband is going to be 5G wireless as opposed to the cable company or the phone company hardwired lines. And as they look at that, as well as all of the digital technologies available around their manufacturing assets, The future can be really uncertain. So for our manufacturing clients, there's a lot of emphasis on looking forward at an uncertain market and looking forward at uncertain supply chain and manufacturing technologies. How do I decide how big a bet to place and how do I descale those bets? Can I create small-scale pilots around new technologies to learn them? And if it's the one that it turns out as the market develops that's a winner, scale from there. When I look at those small-scale bets, do I decide to make them with my own assets and maybe some more flexible tooling or a flexible shop? floor capability? Or do I go out to trial them with a third-party manufacturer recognizing that I may bring them back in-house four or five years down the road as the market develops? It's those kinds of choices that really create optionality for our manufacturing clients that they're thinking really hard about today in terms of where to place bets of hopefully tens and hundreds of millions rather than billions since they're betting on an uncertain future. So a lot of
0: what you talked about there relates to technology. So autonomous vehicles, 5G, which is a key piece of making autonomous vehicles more of a reality. And we hear a lot from organizations, how do they make the best strategic technology investments? But it sounds like there's much more to this decision-making process and this strategy and planning effort than just the technologies, because to a degree, all firms will have access to them, and there may be some shorter-term or longer-term competitive advantage if you have better technology. So in the context of making strategic technology investments, how do organizations look at that? Should it really be more about what you just described of picking where you want to make your bets, descaling them, and then once you start them, figuring out how quickly you can ramp them up? Should this be more of a question around the strategy and planning and business goals of which technology enables, or is the technology today, in some respects, so fundamentally more advanced, that the technology should have its own focus? Or is that too abstract?
1: I think it's a shift in level of confidence about the future. When I think about really large business organizations, whether it's automotive or aerospace, the market of the next five or 10 years had looked a lot like The market we'd grown up with in automotive for 100 years, in commercial aerospace, since the first jets were introduced in the 1960s, so almost 50 or 60 years. When people believed the next 10 years were going to look a lot like the previous 30 or 40 or 100 you could do lots of discounted cash flow analysis and bring in lots of smart MBAs and model it all out and make in some industries 10 and $12 billion bets with a reasonable degree of confidence that you knew what you were doing because you had experienced the industry and there was nothing that was going to change it dramatically in the next 10 years. Yes, there'd be a business cycle or two, but you could do some risk analysis around that. In Today's world, we're talking about so many things, whether it's how quickly are going to people going to uptake on hailing cars rather than buying cars, how are people really going to interact around autonomous cars, what's 5G going to really mean about whether I'm still signing up for a cable contract five years from now. Those kinds of questions create a lot more uncertainty in the future, and I can't go through with a high degree of confidence and run pro forma financials and make those big billion-dollar bets with confidence. I need to find a way, not because of the technology, but because I see a market that I know is going to be different. There's nothing out there to really go measure. I can do some consumer research. I can talk to some futurists, but I don't have confidence exactly which technology to bet on and exactly where the market's going to land. I've got to find a way to descale the bets. I have to find a way to think about what do I choose to make and invest in myself? What do I choose to partner with someone closely and create an alliance around What do I choose to just go buy off the shelf from whoever the winning technologist is? What do I choose to maybe make a customer as opposed to making part of my business? And those are the things that really are at the core of the strategic investment choices today. What do I make? What do I partner? What do I choose to buy from the market? And what do I choose to make a customer of rather than forward integrating into? And it's really about making those bets in small pilots and scaling rapidly behind them where the future market or the future technology portfolio is a big unknown to me right now.
0: In terms of you're working with your clients, how good are most organizations at doing what you just described, that descaling? And what's sort of the competitive dynamics against new competition? So if I'm a legacy firm, so to speak, in an industry, I'm doing what you just described. I'm looking at a variety of scenarios. For the future, And it's a very different process to look at those scenarios than it may have been when the future looked a bit like the past versus a new competitor who, rather than descaling multiple options, may have a very focused goal. So if it's autonomous vehicles, that's what I'm focused on. That's what I'm doing. If I'm online retail, that's really my focus. So it's not so much a lot of different bets to prioritize. The new competition might just have one bet versus the historical firms that have multiple bets. How good are firms at doing what you described, the descaling process and then scaling up selectively? And where they're not as good at that, what should they do? And what are some of the competitive dynamics against perhaps a new entrant that's more narrow in their focus as far as what they need to do to succeed?
1: I think we're getting a lot better, but it's still an evolution. If I go back five or six years and I think about automotive before they got a wake-up call from Uber, Lyft, and Tesla, they were making really big bets and they were thinking about them a really long time. They got surprised. They got very surprised by over-the-air software upgrades on vehicles. They got surprised by rapid drive to autonomy. Many of them got surprised that this little startup that had been knocking on the door asking them to invest in a mobility business suddenly had a market cap bigger than theirs. They woke up in a hurry, and I'd say in aerospace, exactly the same thing happened when some small startups created a drone industry with a defense department and then in commercial applications and i think all of our big industrial clients today are getting down the path of setting up venture capabilities in house in silicon valley or in tel aviv or in berlin starting to learn how to make small bets starting to learn how to scale behind those bets when some of them begin to take off. Client to client, they're at a different point, but I would say that really U.S. and global industry over the last four to five years has actually gotten pretty good about moving forward to faster pace where there's uncertainty all of them got some big wake-up calls, and all of them are responding in some pretty interesting looking ways.
0: Tom, maybe to wrap up, if we look out five years, what are going to be some of the characteristics of market leaders? And obviously, that's a big question. And if we all knew that, we'd be placing (laughs) that accordingly. But where we're at today with sort of the transition from not really worrying too much about what happened in the past when you're doing your planning and looking at starting small and scaling. Is this becoming the norm or is it more of a situation that due to some advancements in technology, we're at a bit of a hump right now and once we get over that, things will go back to a bit of the old norm in terms of how do you plan and strategize as an organization or does the approach that you've been describing around descaling, starting small, scaling up, looking at different competitors than you may have in the past. Is, is that just the norm? So the best practices and the advice you're giving really needs to be institutionalized? Or are we in a bit of an unusual scenario for now in the next couple of years and things will slow down, so to speak, four or five years out? Or is that just unrealistic or wishful thinking?
1: As I look over the sweep of history, technology evolution is coming faster and faster and faster. It was a long time from the invention of the wheel to the taming of some horses to pull it. It was a long time from taming the horses to pull the cart to having steam. It wasn't nearly as long from getting steam to internal combustion and putting it on rails instead of on dirt roads. It wasn't all that long from there to now we could fly. And boy, you look at our electronic revolution over the last three or four decades and what we now have on our smartphone that took up rooms wet when you and I were in college. The pace of change is going faster and faster. And I think what it tells us is that going forward, we actually have to have multiple ways of thinking about strategy. There's the way that we got really good at in the 20th century for the base business. And we talked a little bit about autonomous vehicles. There's still a car platform and there's still a powertrain. And those things still need to be planned because they have scale and because they are observable. And I know how the mechanics of the vehicle are going to behave. I need to have that long, thoughtful planning process around those knowable things that have scale. But I also have to have this other fast-paced, low-scale, make-multiple-bets-in-parallel Where there's new technology coming that creates uncertainty about an aspect of the market. And I think the real challenge for our manufacturers is finding a way to have multiple arrows in their strategic planning quiver, multiple arrows in their capital investment analyses, so that they can really apply the right approaches depending on their confidence in how the future market's going to behave
0: sounds like things really are changing and those changes are permanent. So Tom, thank you very much for your time, today. I think it's been great insights for our listeners in terms of how do they respond to some of their immediate challenges, but also what they need to be doing longer term to really rethink how they address strategy and being competitive in the manufacturing, but also the overall corporate environment in which we're operating. And for our listeners, again, off of the landing page for this podcast will be links to other materials that Tom and his team and his peers have put together on this topic. But Tom, thanks again for your time today here on Advice Worth Keeping.
1: Thank you. It's exciting times for us and our clients. And you can find the links to the items you referenced in the show today below the podcast.
0: If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.